Well, I'm going to try something a little bit different this morning. So I'll warn you ahead of time so you can be prepared. At the end of the message, I'm going to give you the opportunity to ask, ask questions specifically about the message. It isn't open forum on everything in the Bible. It's just what is something I said wasn't clear or uh, you didn't understand it completely, then you can be free to ask a question. About once a year, we give a message on <clears throat> the different aspects of discipleship. And this morning I'm going to talk about talking to God and allowing the Lord to speak to us through the scriptures. I hope you never lose the awe of being able to talk personally to the Lord. It's really pretty amazing that we can talk to the creator of the universe. Nothing nothing needs to come in between. Uh, we don't need to pray to a saint or to Mary. Uh, Jesus intercedes for us. We know that when we're praying. The Holy Spirit does too, Romans chapter 8. But you can talk to God personally, so why wouldn't you take that as a great privilege? So... Many of you know by now that our idea of discipleship is we bring people in, we grow people up, and we send people out. For a long time, I handed you a baton at the end of every service to remind you of being sent out. And the way we disciple people is, number one, through the weekend services, that I prepare a message out of the Bible and speak to you. Then during the week, you sit down in a one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus alone, and you talk to him about and allow him to talk to you about what we talked about on Sunday. And then thirdly, we get together with a friend or a family member or a small group, and we talk about, we talk to each other. So it's me talking to you out of the Word of God, then you talking to the Lord, him talking to you, and then you talking to one another in a friendship relationship. They did a study a few years ago at uh, Willow Creek Church and discovered that the biggest single factor in life change is personal engagement with the scriptures. So what I'm talking to you about this morning probably isn't new to you, but I want to remind you of its importance and suggest to you what they've discovered objectively, that this is the biggest factor in your spiritual growth and maturity, is spending time in the scriptures. I remember when I first started doing this, I was a college student, uh, a little older than most college students. I was in my late 20s. But when I first received Christ, I could not get enough of the Bible. I wouldn't get close to the Bible before because I was afraid it would convict me. But once I turned my life over to Jesus, then I would go to the library and oftentimes, rather than studying what I should have been studying that day at school, I would read the Bible, mark it up, devour it every every day uh, when I was I've shown you these before when I was five years old a pastor gave me this Bible I still have it when I was in the fourth grade another pastor gave me this Bible I still have it and then I went on search for the perfect Bible 
I bought so many Bibles, you cannot imagine. I was looking for the perfect Bible. And I finally found it. Leather, it bends like this. It's got nice, soft pages in it, but it still wasn't perfect because it's not the red letter edition. I couldn't buy it in the red letter edition. So I gave up searching for the perfect Bible according to my standard and just decided to use that one instead. So several scriptures, if you didn't get an outline this morning, you need to raise your hand so you can get one because there are lots of blanks to fill in this morning. First scripture I want to read is, but when you pray, this is Jesus talking, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So he's suggesting three things here. Number one, go to your room. In other words, go to a place that you have selected. It might not even be a different room. But it's a place where when you're there, you pray, you know it's time to pray. Maybe it's a particular chair that you sit in. Maybe it is. Maybe you're fortunate enough to have a different room to sit in so that you can focus. Number two, close the door. In other words, get yourself in a private place where there are not distractions. People are not interrupting you. And then talk to your father. So it tells us who to talk to, our Father God in heaven. So a minimum would be, now I, I pray this prayer every morning. I try not to just repeat words, but to focus on this prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. This then is how you should pray, Jesus said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In fact, let's, let's read that together beginning with our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So it's a simple but profound prayer. Our Father, we, we identify who we're talking to, our Father in heaven. We worship you, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Just as you rule and reign in heaven, come and rule and reign in my life today. Give us today our daily bread or all the things that we need today. Forgive us our debts. This is, this is one that we're going to focus on a little bit. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In other words, there's kind of a conditional thing that I'm not asking you just to forgive me, but I'm asking you to forgive me as I have forgiven other people in my relationships. We set the, we just set the tone. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So on your outline there, fill in the blank, may make forgiveness a priority. So every morning, and I know this is not new to some of you, but it, it'll remind you and also maybe add to the way you do devotions. I first of all write the date. I write how much I weigh right now because I'm trying to lose weight. And then I write out a prayer to the Lord. And I pray about all the things that are going on in my life, everything that's happening. Then I go back and I pray about yesterday. Is there anything that's not cleaned up from yesterday? Is there anything unfinished from yesterday that I need to talk to you about? And then I'll pray about tomorrow. So I pray about today, then yesterday, and tomorrow. And that should cover pretty much all the aspects in my life. There's a, a program and a journal called Lectio Divina. L-E-C-T-O-T-I-O, Divina, D-I-V-I-N-A. 
It's a, it's a, a plan that, well, it's ancient actually. Uh, the, the early fathers came up with this, this plan. A guy at Portland Foursquare Church has developed it and made it, made it uh, up to date and so forth. And it's a, a prayer reading, a journal reading, and a prayer every day. And you can get it on an app, so you can just do that on your iPhone or your iPad if you want to do that. For years, we suggested the acronym SOAP. S is read, it, read the scriptures. Let the, and, and you can get a Bible plan. We provide one for you every week. Read the scripture. Then the observation is, what did that scripture say? The A is application. How does that fit in my life right now? And the P is prayer. For years, Ginger used the acronym for the Women's Bible Study, ACTS, A-C-T-S, Adoration or Worship, Confession of Your Sins, and T is Thanksgiving. Uh, that's one of the most important things to do is every day, thank the Lord for specific things in your life. And then Supplication, which is the prayer portion of it. So it's important to think about what is scriptural meditation, because when we talk about meditation, a lot of people think that it's just kind of, I empty my mind. (laughs) I empty my mind of everything, and that's really not what scriptural meditation is. Scriptural meditation is filling your mind with the scriptures, not emptying your mind. So I put a couple of statements on the outline there. Meditation is to think deeply, to focus your mind for a period of time while speaking to oneself. This allows clear thinking on a specific Subject. So you focus specifically on one thing. Second phrase is meditation is uh, focused thought on a portion of God's word in order to gain deeper understanding or to gain deeper understanding and allow God's word to speak directly or clearly to you. An example would be John 3.16. It's kind of of fun to do this. This is a familiar one to all of us, so we can do it easily. Say, God loves the world. Now just meditate on that a minute. God... God Almighty, the creator of all things, loves, that's his attitude toward, the world. The world, everyone. God loves the world. Secondly, God gave his son. God Almighty, the creator, gave his son to the world. God gave his son. That whoever believes, whoever, anybody, Everybody, it's, open, it's available and open to every, everyone. Whoever believes shall not perish, but receive eternal life. You won't come to destruction, but you will receive life that is eternal in quality and in quantity. So do that with verses sometimes. Just pick a verse and go through word by word or phrase by phrase and just meditate on that. Think about that. And you'll be amazed how much more clearly that scripture becomes. Joshua wrote it this way, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Now that's kind of confusing the way that's phrased, but literally it says, Let this book always be on your lips. Not clear, isn't it? Let this book always be on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So we speak about it and we do what it, what it says. Do every, be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Then fill in the phrase there, go for the best seller. Uh, you've probably heard someone say this along the line, but the Bible is the best-selling book of all time. Every day, 
Think about this. Every day, 168,000 Bibles are sold or given to others. 168,000. From 1875 to 1975, 5 trillion, 5 trillion Bibles were sold. That's 1,000 millions. 20 million Bibles are sold annually in the U.S. alone. For comparison, think about Rick Warren's book. It's the best-selling Christian book of all time. He sold 32 million copies, which is amazing. He'll never have to worry about anything financially. Uh, 92% of all Americans have at least one Bible. The average Christian owns nine Bibles. I thought I was the only one that was weird that way, but look at the yeah, look at the picture on that. That's my shelf behind my desk at home, and that's about half of the Bibles that I own. So I think there are more than nine there, isn't there? Yeah, I'm I'm above average. I know it. So, what are the best books you've ever read? If I'd say, what's the best book you ever read, you'd probably could give me the name of a book. You could probably give me the name of two or three books. I looked up the bestseller list the other day. Now, this, is, this wouldn't be true today if you'd look, but it was a few days ago I looked up. A book named House of Earth and Blood was number one. Long Range, which is about a judge who was attacked by a bear. Number three was The Numbers Game, and that's about how an affair wrecked a marriage. Number four was American Dirt. It's about a drug cartel. Number five, Where the Crawdads Sing. <laughs> so you, you get the idea. There's quite a variety on the, on the best sellers list. But then we have the book that many of you have in your hands, it's a book that I hope you read every day. Every day for over 40 years now, I take a good portion of my day and dig into the scripture at least a few hours every day. I love this passage in 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All scripture is God-breathed or inspired and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Psalm 19, 7 and 9 says, The law of the Lord is, notice I underlined the word, perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, underlined, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are, underlined, right, giving joy to the heart. Next slide, please. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. And the ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. So think about these words that I underlined. perfect. In other words, in this book, there are no errors. It won't lead you astray. It's different than any other book. It's trustworthy. You can trust it. You can count on what it says. It's right. It will lead you in the right way and lead you away from the wrong way. It's radiant. It enlightens your eyes. It illuminates. I understand. I get it. It's pure, unpolluted. It's sure. You can count on it. There's no question in what it says. No hesitation. So let's read together that scripture. Psalm 19, beginning in verse 7. Go up a, go up a verse, please. Go back to where you were. Previous scripture. The law of the Lord is perfect. That's where we want to be. There we go. Ha. Huh? Bingo. Okay, let's read together. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. 
The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. So oftentimes when people uh, first receive the Lord, particularly if you're just talking to them about beginning to read the Bible, the Bible's big. It's where do I where do I begin? Where do I start? So the, so many people start in Genesis, and you know you can read through Genesis, and that's pretty good. And then you get to Leviticus, and gosh, things kind of get bogged down a little bit, don't they? So I always tell people when you read the Bible, you don't read it like a novel. You don't start at the beginning and read it all the way through to the end. You don't even read read the end first and know the end, and then go back in, in the beginning. You just take little chunks, little chunks. Little chunks, little chunks, and pretty soon it'll start fitting together. So if you're reading it on your own and you're listening to someone like me talk about it on a, in a teaching time, you talk to other people about it, pretty soon you think, oh gosh, this is starting to, this is starting to make sense now, it's starting to fit together. In fact, in a few weeks I'm going to start a series that most of you probably are not Bible illiterate, but our culture now is Bible illiterate. They don't know the stories of the Bible. So I'm going to begin in Genesis and work all the way through the Old Testament, just hitting the major characters in the Old Testament. It's fascinating. And hopefully, when we're through with that, you'll be able to say, Oh, David, I know where that fits. Oh, Joseph, I know where that fits. Because sometimes people just get, get these shotgun approaches to the Bible, and they don't know how it fits together. So we're going to help you help you put those those pieces together. When uh, when re- reading the Bible and first reading the Bible, I always, I always tell people, begin with John. Start with John, because John is the clearest on who Jesus is. Makes, makes very clear that he is the Son of God. So be, begin there. So let's uh, read together John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. It's especially important. So last week, you remember me talking about when people ask me why I believe, I don't believe just because the Bible says so. I believe because there was this guy named Matthew who was a follower of Jesus. Jesus came to him. He was a tax collector. He changed his life. He followed Jesus for three years. And then he compiled, after Jesus died on the cross, was resurrected, he compiled what he had seen and heard for those three years. Then Mark primarily is mentioned with regard to following Paul, but he was a contemporary of Jesus. He also gathered the facts that he had witnessed and put them in his little gospel. We call it a gospel of Mark. It's just a little tiny letter. It's a wonderful, much different than Mark in the way that it's presented, but it's the same, same truth. Then Luke, who was a medical doctor, he gathered all the facts from all the people that he, he heard. He filtered all the facts, got them down in order, and, and told them. And then there was John. John was the one who was closest to Jesus. He was one of the sons of thunder, one of the sons of Zebedee. He was with Jesus 
for three years during his lifetime. He's the only one of the 12 apostles, the 11 that were left after Judas, who wasn't martyred. He was uh, sent to Patmos, an island. He was banished, and, and he died there. I've actually been in, in the cave where he, where he lived. It's, it's a wonderful place to go. And then we have uh, Paul, who wrote about a third of the New Testament. He was a Pharisee, and after Jesus was raised from the dead, Paul was on his way uh, to persecute Christians and had a wonderful, meaningful, enlightening experience with the Lord and spent the rest of his life throughout Athens, Rome, all of Europe, preaching the gospel. And then my favorite, as I said last week, was James. Do you have a brother? When I asked myself this, I got two brothers. Trust me, they were not the Son of God. <laughs> For you to convince me that they were the Son of God would have been a pretty amazing thing. And James had to be convinced that Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't believe that at first. And so we love his perspective. So the next question is, how does the Bible help us? Paul writes, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know that from those, those from whom you heard it, learned it, and from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So the Scriptures make plain the way of salvation. That's one of the major, major benefits. Then one of my favorite Scriptures in all the Bible is Psalm 19. Look at it with me. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. So just fill in the blanks there real quick. First of all, the Bible revives the soul. So if you're starting to slip, you're weak or you're feeble, then read the Bible. It'll revive your soul. Secondly, it makes wise the simple. If you're easily deceived or prone to deception or prone to error, Read the Bible. It makes wise the simple. Thirdly, it gives joy to the heart. It'll bring a smile to your face if you're sad, if you're discouraged. Read the Bible. It gives joy to the heart. Then it gives light to the eyes. If you're lacking direction or purpose, you don't see things clearly, then read the Bible. It gives light to the eyes. Then it endures forever. In other words, it is without change. You can count on it. It's not going to change. It's eternal. It's the eternal Word of God. And then... It's righteous. In other words, it's morally right. It shows you the difference between morally right and, and not right. Read the Bible. All Scripture is God-breathed. That's the word inspired, translated literally. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I love this. Uh, I learned this from Warren Wiersbe a number of years ago. Scripture is useful for, number one, teaching what is right. In other words, you read the Bible, this is the right thing to do. This is right. This is the right way. Secondly, rebuking what is not right. So here's what's right, and here's what's not right. And thirdly, correcting. Here's how to get right. If you're not, here's how to get right. And number four, training how to stay right. Okay, I love that. So remember the hand illustration? I'm sure you don't. Anybody remember? Here. Read. Study. Memorize. Meditate and apply. Let's say it together. Hear, read, study, memorize, meditate, and apply. 
do all those things with the Scripture. I had a friend, uh, he's no longer a friend, but he was years ago, who knew football statistics like you could not imagine. I mean, you ask him particularly about the Denver Broncos, he could tell you anything you wanted to know about the Denver Broncos and more. And I often thought, I wonder if he would just spend half the time in the Bible that he spends on Denver Broncos statistics. You know, he'd be, he'd be a lot better off. Many, 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 many years ago now, I was driving back from church camp, and I was, had Mike McGovern with me. He's a pastor in Missoula, Montana, and is a friend to this day. And I don't remember how it happened. He wasn't showing off. We started talking about memorizing the scripture. And Mike just started quoting scriptures. He just quote, 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 quote. And pretty soon I sat there, my gosh, this guy's got the Bible memorized, it seemed like. And that really motivated me to start getting some little cards, little recipe cards. And every week I'd memorize one verse. And 52 a year. A lot of scriptures. If if you'd quote 52 scriptures to me right now, I'd be impressed. That's just one year. Ginger and I started memorizing scripture together, and I've told you about contests that we used to have, who could memorize the most. And I I lost because she memorizes books, not verses. So I I I gave up on having a contest with her. I had a friend named Dick Scott, who was at Beaverton Foursquare Church in Beaverton, Oregon, and he would. There's a system that he used, and it wasn't originally him, I don't think, but. He would think of a room or a house, and then a particular room in a house, he'd think about the door, he'd think about the ceiling, he'd think about a corner, and he would plug a verse into each one of those places. When he looked at the door, it reminded him of this verse. When he looked at the corner over there, it reminded him of this verse. Or the corner over here, another verse. And he would just go through that room and add a memory verse attached to each one of those. Then he'd go into a different room have a different memory verse attached to each one of those. And you know, if you've done any memorization at all, that when you picture something, it's much, much easier to memorize it. I don't have to look at my notes with, with uh, stories. Why? Because I know that story. I've seen that story in my mind. It's much easier to memorize that way. So I just want to encourage you this morning. I assume that most of you do your devotions every day. If you don't, I encourage you to start doing it. We give you a sheet every week. It has a recommended scripture that you can uh, read and go through every day and uh, do that every day. Go through and read that scripture, pray over it, do your journaling, and you'll never be sorry that you, that you did that. Well, Lord, this morning, it's early in the morning. We're still trying to get our minds going, but uh, pray that you'd uh, breathe life into us today, encourage us today. If there's been anything that's unclear, I pray that... Uh, be able to clarify that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, anybody have a question that came up during my talking this morning? Something that wasn't clear? Oh, I knew it. It was perfect. <laughs> everything, was, everything was so clear. I uh, hope your mind is cleaner than, clearer than mine. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Everybody notices when I forget a blank. Make forgiveness a priority? It was under that. What is scripture, med- scripture meditation? Yeah, It's not emptying your mind, it's filling your mind. Anything else? Gosh, just blank, blanks. 
the big per personal engagement with the scripture. Personal engagement with the scripture. Anything under the blanks I didn't get. Yes. Reading the Bible, praying over the Bible, memorizing verses, that you're not just listening to someone else talk about the Bible, but that you are personally involved in the Bible yourself. You're reading it, you're memorizing it, you're thinking about it and so forth. Talking with friends about it. Is that clear? Yes. A sequence? Well, certainly, yeah, you'd need to use wisdom in rebuking. Rebuking, actually, the biblical word for rebuking is not a, it's not a harsh, hard word. When, when I say rebuke, if I would rebuke Chris, that sounds really harsh. The Bible word really isn't harsh. It's just correcting something. It's being... It's like with a child that when you, when you, I hope we've all learned that when you speak to a child, you don't talk down to them, you don't speak to them in anger, but you try your best to correct their thinking or correct their behavior with a phrase that you would bring. So obviously, how you do that would depend upon the nature of the relationship. I can, I can talk to Jared about anything, and I don't have to preface it with a bunch of, you know, well, don't, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this, but it's this. I can just say to him what I think, and we have a strong enough relationship where we can, we can uh, get away with that. Uh, I didn't know Jim very well when we, when we first started, and so with Jim, he could tell you that we would, we would spend five minutes affirming our relationship before we'd talk about a hard thing. So if that's what you mean by sequence, I, is that clear or not? All right. Well, thank golly, I'm impressed. How many of you showed up at eight o'clock service? I'm not even awake yet. <laughs> but, uh, the sanctuary is beautiful. Thank you, thank you. Beautiful. Yeah, Tim and Jared worked very, very hard on it. Did a great job, and there were many others involved. Mike was involved a lot with the getting the computers set up, and so we're we're tickled with this. Sure looks looks different than before. So, all right. Well, distance apart.